It's good to see you all here. Um, so uh, just as a, a, a quick uh, intro overview, uh, just so you guys know, um, the Parenting for Life class, uh, this is uh, actually a full uh, 12-week course that we're doing. So um, if this is your first week here, welcome. I'm so glad that you decided to come tonight. Um, but also understand that we're coming into lesson uh, number five. Uh, so it's it's totally all right. You can come land where we are, um, and I can get you up to speed with some of the previous documents. And then also, this isn't, well, unless they tell me otherwise, that they're like, wow, Matt did a horrible job. Um, this won't be the last time that we have this class. So <laughs> um, maybe they'll have somebody else teach it next time. But, um, but at least uh, you'll have that understanding that when we pick back up with equipping classes or possibly even a, a summer uh, course, uh, we'll be going back through this content again, so you can pick back up. And I know for me, uh, I would need to sit through at least this class probably three or four times before fully engaging all the different principles and understanding them. So it's kind of like Mark, he's, he's been trying to get me to take the MIT courses about three or four times, So uh, because it's necessary to really uh, get all the content. But um, if you have not been here before, um, we have a clipboard that is going around. Uh, a lot of you have already put your name and contact info on that, but if this is your first time, uh, make sure you put your info on that, and I'll email you um, the notes as well as some additional content. We have what we call the um, – uh, oh, it just totally threw out my, my brain – not pondering, pondering the principles. Is that what it's called? The homework? Yeah. Uh, pondering the principles um, uh, homework that goes after each week that you can work through that following week through the content and with your spouse, with another family member, with someone else that uh, you're kind of working through this parenting uh, for life information with. So uh, I will email that uh, information to you and then also. Uh, again, if you haven't been here, if this is your first time here, you can actually go back on our church app or the website and find the first um, sessions and actually go through and listen to those again. Um, Nathan has done a great job keeping those up to date and very thankful for his service in doing that. Well, um, as I said tonight, we're going to be getting into, um, again, part two. I say again because uh, part two of the parent as disciplinarian. Um, the parent as disciplinarian. I also wanted to preface it that this isn't the first night of the class, and that you're like, whoa, already talking about disciplining kids. <laughs> no, no, we've we've been in this for quite some time. So uh, tonight, though, we're going to pick back up with that part two because we had a lot of questions last time, which was great, and I um, welcome that. Um, but uh, please uh, feel free to uh, to ask questions as we are going through the content. But this will be part two. If you didn't get a handout. Uh, just raise your hand. We have a bunch more over there. Don did a great job getting those out to you guys. But if you don't, just let us know. Before we dive in, let's go ahead and pray. So let's do that now. Father, what a privilege it is for us to gather uh, tonight. Thank you for uh, the body of Christ that we can rejoice in the things that you are doing in us, Lord, uh, that you are growing us to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. And you do that even as we fellowship with brothers and sisters, as we encourage one another to love and good works, as we speak truth to one another, even as the singing took place tonight. We're, we're sharing those truths that we are speaking, um, that we are singing with each other. Thank you for the opportunity to study uh, this, uh, this, these lessons that will draw us, Lord, closer to you, to to be uh, better stewards of the gifts of children that you have entrusted to our care. Uh, Lord, we, we um, at least I pray, we don't take this responsibility lightly, and yet we also come to you saying, Father, we are, uh, we are helpless. We, we, uh, we are weak and frail. We're feeble. We don't know what, how to handle these things properly, and, and yet you have called us uh, to, to do these things well. And but, Lord, as your word says, you've given us all that we need for this life and for godliness, and that includes parenting. So you instruct us. You give us what we need. Help us to be obedient to that, to follow it, to study it, and to ask good questions for those um, that um, have gone these paths before us and who have failed, who have succeeded and excelled. Um, Lord, help us to be faithful. That's what you've called us to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
All right. Well, as I said, we'll, we're going to pick up with um, part two. Uh, last, last time, the last two classes that we had, we looked at uh, the parent, the first part, part one, we looked at the parent as disciplinarian, um, the, uh, the effects of unbiblical discipline and what that looks like, unbiblical discipline. And then we began to look at what biblical discipline is, what biblical discipline is. And, and um, it follows God's example, God's example of uh, loving, providing beneficial limits. Um, and we looked at what are those limits, what those that are providing uh, certain boundaries for the, uh, for the children, establishing order within the home, uh, protecting the child from the world as well as themselves, uh, preparing the child for limits of life, uh, revealing the need for teaching, helping the child understand that you are in need of correction. You are in need of instruction. Um, you and your, your sinful state, because you are apart from God um, from, from birth, from conception, you are set apart from God in your sin. You are in need of teaching for instruction. And so we expose the child's inability to keep the standard and thus his need for a savior. All, all of these things that are leading us and directing us uh, to this point of knowing that we need a savior. And that's really your hope with your child is to help them grasp that understanding, grasp that truth that I need a savior. I can't save myself. I can't do anything apart from God that is, that is pleasing to him, that is good. And yet God has given us what we need to, to be made right with him. And so that's, that's our desire is that biblical discipline, doing it in the godly way, will instruct them to, to turn to what is true and what is right. And God says that this is wise. And we use this, um, this wisdom by introducing wise rules. And so we, we looked at these wise rules and how these wise rules, that's getting hard to say, these, say that five times fast, these wise rules are not burdensome. Um, it is, it's easy often for us to, to be negative, frequently saying no without good reason. And so we also need to consider our child's ability and understanding. They're not the same as even our own. And so um, as we consider these things, realizing that each child is different, their abilities to comprehend and understand things, that could be based upon their age, that could be just be based upon their giftings, and, um, and where they are in life and circumstances. And also, we have to consider even cultural differences. So what we may teach here in America may be completely different than, say, what we teach in, um, in China or in Africa or in Mexico or somewhere else. And so we have to consider those limitations. We have to consider those wise uh, rules, those wise instructions that God has given us. And so just to pick up from where we, are, where we were last time, uh, wise rules are reasonable, but they are also definable, and they are also useful. They are definable, and they're also useful. Um, in our role as the disciplinarian, uh, we must demonstrate the blessings of obedience and the disastrous results of disobedience. And all this going back to what we had said and stated in the beginning is that all of these things are giving us the opportunity to point them to Christ, to say, you are in need of a Savior. Yes, you can't do this on your own. Yes, you can't save yourself. So love is the highest motivation for obedience. Second Corinthians 5.9 tells us that. Hey, guys. But the Bible doesn't ignore or negate cause and effect as a tool in stimulating obedience and deterring obedience. So what do we mean by that? What is, what is that cause and effect? Well, you're going to set up certain circumstances within uh, your life or within the child's life, um, but also the child is just going to come into contact with real-life occurrences, and there are going to be cause and effect situations. And throughout the Bible, you find this principle of cause and effect uh, what we often refer to as sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. Um, it was actually interesting just uh, last week at the, the children's program for the Truth and Light Conference, what we were, were looking at were actually part of uh, the Beatitudes and part of uh, the principles of the par parables, sorry, not the Beatitudes, part of the parables that Christ taught. 
and even the parable of, of the sower, and that the sower would reap what he had sown. And what does that look like even in our, in our own lives? But predominantly, we were looking at the gospel. But here, we're looking at cause and effect and how it emphasizes the results of our choices in, in regards to what I choose to do now, I am going to reap something in the end. That could be a positive thing or that could be a very negative thing. And, um, and so Proverbs 13, verses 13 through 15 says, The way of the treacherous is hard. And Proverbs 15, 19 says, The path of the upright is a highway. It's, it's easier to travel on a smooth highway. And so oftentimes we, we choose to create even our own paths, our own ways to be hard, to be treacherous. To uh, to instead of going down um, the path, you know, thinking of the uh, the stories of Pilgrim and um, Pilgrim's Progress, and and looking at Christian and how Christian had those those paths to choose, and and oftentimes we we want to take the easy route, the the easy way, but but what God shows is that oftentimes the the hard way, the treacherous way, um, even though that's not what Proverbs is saying. But oftentimes that is really where God is directing us. But we oftentimes will say, well, the, uh, we, are going to, we are going to take uh, the path of least resistance. We are going to take the path that, that we think is best, what is pleasing to us, rather than what God has called us to do. So we ask our children, which way will you choose? Will you choose the, the treacherous way? Will you choose the upright way? So cause and effect illustrates the benefits of living, of leaving foolish living and pursuing skillful, wise living. Proverbs 15.5 and Proverbs 10.8 tell us that. It, it is really a choice of, of living foolishly or pursuing skillful, wise living. And the prodigal son is a vivid example of learning from cause and effect. Prayerfully, our children will not have to learn such difficult lessons once they leave our home, but we must deal with them lovingly, yet, what, firmly, while they are young. And so that's, that's really what we're looking at even tonight, is, is that cause and effect example of how do we handle the foolishness of, of our children. And um, cause and effect can lead to repentance, God can use the consequences of a child's foolishness or foolish choices to bring him to repentance. And again, we look at the uh, the prodigal son. One of the things that that we often run into uh, with parenting and and counseling parents is that um, uh, more so nowadays is that the parents do not desire to allow the child to struggle. Have you experienced that within your own heart? that I don't want my child to struggle, so I try and save them, and I try and keep them from going and making wrong choices, uh, you know, foolish choices. Or even in the, the predicament where they do make a foolish choice or a wrong choice, they want to be the Superman and come in and save the day and relieve them from the consequences of, of their choices. God never tells us to do that, right? We're not the Savior in that, in that aspect. So what, how do we handle that? How do we handle that? Well, one, we have to allow God's providence to really play out even in their own lives. We have to allow God's consequences to come about as they, as they understand what that cause and effect principle and how that is laid out, how it really is, um, is demonstrated within their own lives. So cause and effect demonstrates a contrast. Deuteronomy 27 and 28 uh, after they crossed the Jordan, the tribes from Mount Ebal shouted the curses for disobedience across the valley to the tribes on Mount Gerizim, who they were shouting the blessings of obedience. And so this was a, a tangible object lesson given by God to demonstrate the dramatic difference between their choices. So likewise, rewards and consequences in the home should depict a contrast that will cause our children to carefully consider their choices, but parents should present blessings as the opposite end of the spectrum from cursings. Do you want this or this? Do you want praise or do you want correction? 
And as you can see, discipline that teaches cause and effect consists of uh, these two basic elements, rewards and consequences. And so, you know, we talked about this even uh, the last time we met, looking at uh, how do we even set up some of those rewards and consequences within the home. Clearly articulating that with your children. If you choose to do these things, here are the consequences for those things. If you choose to honor and love and obediently follow after what mom and dad have instructed you, here are the rewards of that. And what does even scripture teach us about that? So you're helping your child all the while understand these things and and put to practice what God has, has called in this. Well, let's just consider rewards for a moment. A clear conscience, parental praise, privileges, these are the child's rewards for his obedience. On occasion, however, a parent may want to more tangibly reward the child. In other words, increase a privilege, grant a new privilege, purchase something that the child has been interested in. And for example, a parent may consider giving a special reward for meeting a challenge, you know, doing these certain things consistently, faithfully uh, throughout uh, several weeks. You know, whether you have a list of things that your child has to get done during the week, uh, every afternoon after they get home from school, if they've been faithful to do those things without constant reminders, without any of these other uh, um, pressing uh, reminders from mom and dad coming after them, maybe you choose to honor that and say, listen, you've been faithful in these things, and, and I've noticed that. I want, to, I, want to, I want to honor you. I want to reward that faithfulness with something tangible. And so you look at giving them something to, um, because they met that challenge. Well, a reward of, it, you know, can be given for extra effort or a reward for success in a difficult struggle, maybe something that they've been just you know, battling with. That could be something even as simple as you know, schoolwork. Maybe they, they struggle in this, in this uh, certain uh, uh, this certain class or these certain assignments, and they just they they are unable to get through it, and they're they're striving, they're working hard, but they're failing. Well, when that comes to a point where uh, to where they excel or they succeed, how do you honor how do you honor that? How do you encourage them in that? So discipline, that discipline is not always when we come to uh, uh, come to the situation and say, okay, discipline is the use of the rod, or discipline is the use of punishment. Uh, discipline is also the implementation of of uh, that cause and effect relationship. So rewards or consequences, and that's where we're coming to now. Consequences. This is typically not what your kids want to talk about as consequences. Um, you know, if you if you talk to your child and and you tell them, okay, what was it that you chose to do in the situation, and they say, well, I I did this and. Um, and what, what, how do we typically respond to that? Does mom and dad reward you for doing those things? Well, no, I get a consequence for that. And what is a consequence? Well, a consequence would typically involve pain, either physical discomfort, i.e. spanking or use, use of the rod, or pain from privileges that were removed. Um, lost privileges could, could involve an earlier than normal bedtime, Uh, Special snacks or desserts taken away, time with family even taken away, Um, recreation, something that you had planned taken away. Um, The loss of privileges will uh, will differ uh, between children. So since they value things differently, you know, my four-year-old thinks it's great when um, when she gets uh, a pack of gummies or, you know, she might think that it's, it's an honorable thing or an exciting thing uh, to just, uh, um, you know, watch a show on TV. And so that is a privilege. That is something that's a big deal to her. Whereas my nine-year-old, may, it may take something much more for her to get excited about that. So how do I differentiate between the two age groups and, and what kind of consequences they, that may involve? Do you remember the... Uh, uh, appendix that um, that I shared with you, uh, the um, the type of discipline uh, that goes along is correlated to their age and how typically um, as they're younger, your use of the rod actually may be uh, used more, not necessarily in an aggressive nature, but you are using the rod more regularly 
than, say, when a child is 10 or 12 or 13 or 14. As they get older, you're not using those same types of consequences. You're then, you're then removing certain privileges that they, that they may have. Uh, time and use of technology, time with friends, time and certain activities, all those, all those things that, uh, that you may consider. But the loss of these privileges will differ depending upon the child. But consequences are, are most effective when they cost the child something. So you have to be understanding of, of, of what is it that my child values most. What is it that my child values most? And, you know, it, it, I could just say very easily, oh, okay, well, you, you've got to go sit down right now, and, and uh, you can't do anything for five minutes. Well, for a, a little child, that's difficult. That's hard. But for another child, that, that, it's like, okay, what's that? But, you know, maybe one child really de- detests being away from people or away from their family. So that could be like the most horrible judgment for them to go and be put away to sit away from from everyone for a few moments. So you have to consider what is it that is most cost uh, costly to the child. Remember, God is the source of all these privileges in life. Every privilege in this life is as a result of God's blessing to us. That's not just for children, that's for each one of us. We think that we deserve, we have the right to all of these things where all reality, these are just privileges that God has has given to us. So we need to teach our children to be grateful uh, to God for everything. And then the loss of any privilege will help the child understand that sowing and reaping um, uh, comparison or that sowing and reaping principle, that what I do and what I get in return is really correlating with uh, the, the privileges and the consequences of this life. So an ungrateful child finds these lessons more difficult to grasp than a child who has a simple gratitude for any of the privileges of life. Well, how do we teach gratitude to a child? How do we teach gratitude to a child? Say it one more time, Yeah. Okay. Helping them see something that they should be grateful for. Yeah. And what does gratitude look like? What does gratitude look like? Is that... Like a sweet contentedness. Just being grateful. You know, like, just sweet and thankful. Okay. Sweet, thankful. All right. Contentment. Yeah. No, sorry. Being respectful. So, like, instead of just giving them everything... Like being respectful of their things, for example, instead of like taking for granted, like, oh, these are all the things we have, so who cares if they get broken? Okay. <laughs> like, that's not gratitude, that's not grateful for the things that you have. You need to teach those, like, have respect for your things, have respect for the home, have respect for your parents, and be grateful in that through okay. the respect that you show. So, you're not taking those things for granted, like, right. uh, okay, so gratitude is showing that this is a blessing. This is this is a privilege that I have. Okay. What else? Anybody else? Verbalizing it a lot. Just verbalizing it a lot. I'm thankful for as parents, I'm thankful for this. I'm yeah. thankful for that. They need to hear it. Yeah. That's one of the things I said is we need to model it as parents. Model what am I grateful for? And uh, a lot of times that's that's gonna be in, in our prayers. Lord, thank you for Boom, boom, boom. You know, thank you for as simple as thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you, Lord, for another breath. Um, thank you, Lord, for the kindness of the body of Christ this morning as we gather to saints. Um, thank you for um, enabling us to have your word. All these things that, that we we say in some almost Christian lingo, but um, hopefully that's not the case. It's actually a changed heart, the motivation of our hearts. But, you know, hopefully that will begin to uh, be, we're sowing that into the hearts of the children, even as we practice that ourselves. Lord, we're thankful for this. Thank you, God, that we're able to get to school safely this morning, or thank you that we got to church safely. Thank you that um, you protected us from this accident that just almost happened. Um, how can we? How can we do the opposite, though? How can we model? Well, I think also. Think, oh, yeah. yeah, Mike. I think also um, you know, gratefulness comes from 
first of all, having recognition of what you have that you don't deserve. Yeah, good. Uh, realizing that we don't deserve yeah. anything, and everything we have is a gift. Amen. And that's harder for a child. <laughs> but once that child realizes that, I think gratefulness can you know, mean a little more to them, uh, perhaps. It's good. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Anybody else? I think if, if we don't work hard early on to try to help them see thankfulness and gratitude, it's important quality they cultivate in their life. They mm-hmm. become entitled adults yeah. and young people. And that leads yeah. to a whole host of other heartaches and issues. Yeah. So, trying to, like, like the same, um, trying to show them humility and that what you have is so good at hand of God. And, mm. Yeah, we we oftentimes, and that's one one of the points I had was that um, we will have this this language of what we deserve, or I deserve this, and I deserve that. Well, one way to even turn that is, what does the Bible say we deserve? <laughs> and uh, ultimately, we get down to the point of, I deserve nothing. That I deserve God's judgment. What does God's judgment look like? Yeah, that's a scary thing. And so, um, what are what are ways that we 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 teach ingratitude? Is that right? Ingratitude? Yeah. As I said, it kind of goes back and forth with what we were just talking about because yeah. it's a flip coin, right? Right. Uh, but distraction, I think, is a big thing. When we're easily distracted or we have too much going on, it's easy to not be grateful yeah. because we're distracted by other things, whether that be items that someone has, whether that be like just my time and, and we miss things mm. and generally it's to put this in a terrible situation but like when people have those incidents whether it be like a car accident a house fire something like that all those distractions disappear yeah. and they're left with what's really important yeah. Yeah. and we don't want situations like that to happen but just try to keep our minds less busy yeah puts things into perspective yeah it puts us in the right perspective um, I, I I look at you know what is um, what does the apostle say that we we should do all things without grumbling? grumbling. Yeah, well, you guys knew that right on. Good, uh, you should know the Bible. That's good. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We all do that. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're constantly repeating those verses. Do all things. Yeah. Yeah. without grumbling, complaining, yeah, yeah, because it's so easy, we, we, we so tend towards that side, as opposed to the, Lord, thank you, <laughs> thank you for this, uh, man, that was such a blessing, or that was so sweet, and again, it goes back to what Mr. Hill was saying with the, the perspective, putting things into perspective, um, understanding that, um, like what Mike said, I don't deserve to, to be in this situation of, of blessing. I don't deserve God's favor. I don't deserve these things. And, and ultimately, you're able to even take the children and take yourself, hopefully, because that's what you've done, but you will then take your child and say, because of what God has done, I am now an heir in Christ. I am now a co-heir with Christ, meaning his kingdom is mine as well. And these are, this is the inheritance of mine because not of what I've done. Again, it goes back to not what I deserve, but because of what Christ has done, now this is what I am receiving. And so we can go and just expound upon the blessings and the beyond measure simply because of what God has done. And uh, hopefully that will come up as a, as a result or the fruit of gratitude within one's heart. But again, we must model it. We must fight against the temptation of this is what I deserve. Of like, you know, you know, I uh, as mom and dad, like, can I just have five minutes alone, <laughs> or can you know, can't we just uh, can't we just get along? <laughs> you know, can can we do this without without grumbling and complaining? Um, while I'm complaining, saying that um, all that, <laughs> yeah, I, I know you guys never do that, but I do, and. Um, so all of these things, these privileges, these, uh, um, these are privileges of this life and even the, the grace of God, the common grace of God. Uh, but we so often get into that entitlement language and this is what, this is, this is what I deserve. This is my right. This is, this, is, this is who I am. This is the country I live in. Come on. Uh, these, are the, these, are, these are my freedoms. We won't go down that path. But, but this is... This is where, where it all comes out of. And consequences are important. 
um, that we remove those privileges often. Um, the kid thinks, what do you mean you're going to cancel my birthday? What do you mean I'm getting presents for my birthday? It's my birthday! Uh, okay, yeah, who brought you into this world? You know, who, who, who knitted you in your mother's womb? I say that, yeah, yeah you know, simply, yes, I, you know, God, God used the woman to bring the child in the world, but ultimately God was the one who created them. God was the one who fashioned them. But to be most effective, consequences, this is going to seem really amazing, but really simple, consequences must be enforced. Consequences must be enforced. As a, as a person that works with children very often, as a person that um, that you know, may teach in a classroom setting, you you may get to a point of uh, of saying, you know, this is this is the way it is. This is the law of the land. But unless you actually enforce those decrees, then nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to happen. You could say all day long, these are the rules and this is what you need to abide by. Otherwise, these are the consequences. But if you actually never follow through and enforce those consequences, the rules and the law of the land mean nothing. Galatians 6, 7 and 8 says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Going back to the sowing and reaping principle. For the one who sows to his own flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap eternal life. God is not to be mocked because he does what he says he will do. God is unchanging. God is always the same. But God is also true in the sense that his yes is yes and his no is no. His um, it is it is true, and so how how do you evaluate your own responses and your own heart in that? Or is your yes yes and your no no? Do you say don't go do that or I'm gonna dot dot dot, and then they go do it, but well I'm too tired I don't want to go do that thing that I said I should do. But again, going back to the enforcement, how do you handle that situation? Children must understand that God expects them to obey their parents. We've gone through that countless times already. Ephesians 6.1, Colossians 3.20. But disobedience must therefore reap consequences. In order for any of these things to be true, in order for it to be true that God, uh, God expects children to obey their parents, there must be an enforcement of the consequences. Disobedience must reap consequences. Parents undermine God's expectations when they allow children to linger in disobedience. In other words, a parent may say, come here please, to their child, and then begin to slowly count. I say, come here please, one, two, you guys know where I'm going. Say two and a half, yeah. Um, We set the bar, right? We set the bar. You know, it's it's either one or it's two or it's three. Now, if that's what you want to do, if you want to say three is the magic number, uh, you but you have to be consistent with that. <laughs> Why not just start before one? <laughs> Why not start with the simple instruction of child, come here? And um, and uh, we also have to understand well, what is our what is our um, or not a response, but what does our instruction look like? What is it actually made up of? Is it a, is it a question? It is, is, is it, uh, Addison, will you come here? Or is it, Addison, come here now? It's, uh, oftentimes we'll say, hey, I need you to go pick this up. Is that okay? You're asking the child's permission. No, no, it's, I need you to go and get this taken care of. Now, not when you're ready. Not when I count to four or five or ten. We set the limit there. There's a book that we actually uh, um, uh, have here in the church, um, but it's Don't Don't Make Me Count to Three, I think is actually the title of it. Um, I encourage you to read that one as well. But this parent is teaching a wrong standard that is difficult to enforce. Uh, it's really tolerating the child's natural tendency to disobey. It's prolonging. It's, it's giving them more 
uh, lead time. <laughs> Instead, explain, uh, we need to explain that, that we expect them to come when we call them and call them without counting. So consistently chastise if they, if they don't obey. You set the standard. You set the bar. It's either now or it's at three. So delayed obedience, partial obedience, and external obedience without the right attitude, or they're all examples of disobedience. And so God requires that obedience be complete and without complaint. Genesis 22, 1 through 15, Abraham demonstrated the kind of obedience that pleased God. He rose early for his trip. He had the knife for at Isaac's throat before the angel appeared and never even asked why God wanted him to sacrifice his son. Now, friends, I mean, it, it is a daily occurrence. I need you to go and take care of this. Oh, but why? Well, okay, so how do you, how do you handle that? Mark, how do you handle that? <laughs> I, think, I think I know how Mark would handle that. Um, why? Because this is, this is the instruction that you have been given. It's, it's an obedience without question. It's an obedience. I trust God has put into authority this vessel, my parents. They are the authority in my life, and I trust that what they have in store for me is, is, God's, is God's blessing, is God's purpose, so I need to trust them in this. So when they ask me to do something, I need to simply go and do it without question. Now, as a child gets older, is there a problem with a child... Um, that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, appealing. Thank you. Yeah, appealing to the adult. Is it okay for, an, a, chi- for a child to an, a, appeal to the adult, to the parent? I see some yes and no's. Why don't you expound upon that? Head shake. So before you do the appeal, I'll yeah. go back just one second. Yes, thanks, Mark. <clears throat> so if I give a directive, or a if I give them a, a directive, yeah. Young child, I may say it twice, but then I go to them to correct it. Yeah. I don't wait for them just to come to me eventually. Good. And then correct yeah. it. I usually go to them. Yeah. And that's I tell them, did I tell you to do this? Blah blah blah. Mm. Then I determine what needs to be done. So I always tell people they they always need a correction. They don't always need spanking. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, yeah. So something they always a good need point. A correction. So you don't. Yeah. Just because they don't need spanking, they ignore them. Yes. So they always need correction. They don't always need spanking. But I okay. go to them when I when it's. I don't wait for them to finally come to me and they're obeying on their own terms. Good. Yeah. But yeah, appeal for later on. You tell them the conditions for appeal. Yes. That's what we did for all of our teenagers. Was you can ask that you can do it respectfully, but you can appeal. Yes. I said there are times that I won't be able to do that. I want you to do it right away. Like your little brother's in the street. No questions. I'd go do this. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Any other comment? Most parents are really frustrated because they don't realize that they they don't lay out expectations. Yes. First. Yeah. Uh, They just kind of do this on the on the fly, and then they're frustrated because the kids are almost supposed to read their mind. And they're always vacillating with what they expect. And I say they have clear expectations. Yeah. And I have less conflict. Yeah. It's good. It's helpful. Yeah. So uh, even going back in some of the previous notes that we covered, you know, what Mark said is exactly right. You know, being being clear, articulating exactly what uh, the expectations are, but even just in your instructions. You know, don't put any area of doubt of like, well, do they want me to do this or do this? Or do they want me to do A or B first? You know, making sure that is clear. And, and if it's and if it's an understandable confusion, then, you know, things will work out. And you're full of grace and abundance and patience, right? Because that's the way the Lord responds to. But you don't allow for negligence. You don't allow for rebellion. And we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. So it's helpful. It's good. Thank you. Yes, Nate. So much of a child's response to your authority is going to transfer to their response to God's authority. Mm-hmm. And so you, you want to be 
mindful of you want their immediate obedience because you want them to respond that way as they hear God's word as well. So you're just keeping that in mind that you don't want them to be, you know, so offhanded that you're not pressing the obligations to, to God's obedience too. And, and yeah. I think you're you're making that point. I just wanted to emphasize that as well. Just yeah. Making sure immediate obedience is, is appropriate, but especially if God's calling you, you don't want God to have to end run you and build your rebellious lifestyle and then cut you off and have to these severe circumstances in your life to finally get your attention. Yeah, um, you want to be mindful to His uh, His kind and, and gentle warnings along the way. And be yeah. immediately obedient. To those things, so. But I think there's an element too, kind of of like what we discussed earlier with like those natural consequences, especially as they get older. It's like okay, you can appeal this, but you're gonna res- you're gonna see the natural consequences of this as well, mm. um, and that can also be a really great learning tool to then go back to understanding why it's important to obey immediately to God's word, for example. Yeah. Um, so I think there there can be those opportunities as well. Yeah, yeah. Our desire is not necessarily for all of our children to be the prodigal son. <laughs> Right. You know, but at the same time, there are situations where a child does have to have that prodigal life where where they go and they they hit the wall proverbially, and um, you know they they crash. And then, but we're there you know, by grace, and we're there to support and help them bring come back to the Lord. You know, as they're willing to repent and they're willing to make make restitution. So, yeah, it's good. Good. Parents don't ex- uh, accept responses from the children like, do I have to, or right now, or why should I do that? Um, these are experiences, or these are expressions of disobedience. So follow through consistent- consistently. If you, if you do that again, you will get a spanking, or this will be a consequence of that. Remind them. You know, give them give them that warning. It's not a count to one, two, three situation. It's an actual warning of being clear, like Mark said. Uh, you know, understand you're on thin ice right now, or this is the this is the ground that you're you're the the shaky ground that you're on right now. Understand where you are in that response. So don't threaten your child with consequences uh, you're unable or unwilling to implement. Uh, you're on your way to Disneyland, and. Uh, <laughs> Katie's laughing. I'm laughing because yeah. my sister-in-law yeah. would do this. Yeah. You're, you're on your way to Disneyland. I'm going to Disneyland. Yeah, and, and kids are fighting okay. in the back seat. I'm going to turn around, and we're going back home right now if you don't stop it. Really? I mean, that's – it's probably you've paid $400,000 to go to Disneyland, <laughs> and, uh, and you're not going to cancel the day uh, for – this one child that's deciding to not stop picking their nose. So I mean, it's a, uh, it's it's all this, all these things. You can't make unrealistic um, uh, consequences in that moment. Now you could say, if you do not stop this, <laughs> there are going to be consequences, and here are some of the consequences, and make realistic consequences. You're you're not going to do anything fun for the first hour of the day, or I mean, maybe that's a little extreme, but you know these are these are reasonable consequences. Call Mark Hager, ask him what no, he would I, do. I might say something yeah. Like when we go to Disney, you might end up missing. Missing. At, at Disney World. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So <laughs> Mark. Mark Hager, we found your child. I don't know who that is. Uh, yeah. Uh, and moving on. Um, yeah. Yes. 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 Um, effectiveness uh, or effective consequences must be enforced, and they must be based on child's age maturity. Um, child's age and maturity. So effective consequences must be enforced, and they must be based on the, aisle, or the child's age and maturity. So Ecclesi- or, yeah, Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the heart of the sons of men are given fully to evil. Well, uh, the discomfort of swift consequences dramatically helps a young child associate the offense and the painful result. So in addition, swift consequences clearly establish your God-given authority. 
settling the authority issue with the small child, it can prevent many problems later. And for this reason, younger children will be spanked more. Likewise, as a child matures, a point should, be, uh, should come when spanking is no longer necessary and other consequences become more effective. We, we mentioned that earlier, right? And when implementing uh, consequences, do not get sidetracked with word battles. So that's not fair or blame shifting. Well, he did it first. Proverbs uh, 26.4 says not to answer a fool according to his folly, lest we become like them. And we, become, we compromise our wisdom and authority when we follow the child's foolishness to keep the consequences from being swift. And, and um, uh, uh, brothers and sisters, um, our children can be master debaters. Uh, it's just amazing. Often they get it from their parents. Um, Definitely not me, probably Jackie, but no, um, no. It, and, you know, they, they get it, they get it naturally, and, and they will, they will argue, you know, they will not argue, they will, they will give a solid response of, of, of wisdom, probably, and, and share, well, I, I don't understand, how could this be, mother, that, um, uh, that uh, you know, I had no desire in my heart to do such evil, um, you know, all these things of, that's not fair, you know, he did it first, um, this, it's not a time, this discipline portion, we're, we're past that. We're, we're past that point. These are the consequences to the, to the actions that you, you committed. So it must be swift. Your, your, um, your enforcement of those consequences must be swift. And as the child grows in understanding, however, there, there may be a place for mitigating consequences. So parents may allow time for reflection, conviction before deciding consequences. You know, it may be profitable to allow other children an opportunity for discussion of the principles involved. So parents uh, may choose to illustrate God's mercy by lessening or even canceling the consequences due to the child's tender-hearted response to his own failure. Now, don't allow that to be a consistent practice. Be careful with that because oftentimes our consistent grace and mercy could be um, uh, misconstrued and and create a presumption for grace. We don't want our children to ever presume, well, mom and dad let me go last time and last two or three times, so surely I can do this again. And then we come pretty heavy-handed, and it's like, whoa, I didn't expect that. Then you're going down the road of, of what Mark was saying, is like we're not consistent. So make sure that you are consistent in whatever you do. So if you try to, if you, if you desire, or you in the moment you desire to be merciful, Help them understand that. Explain the circumstance and mercy. Use scripture to illustrate it. Use an example in scripture of see how God showed mercy in this, in this moment. Yes, there could have been a, a heavy-handed or swift consequence for this, but God chose to be gentle, to, to be merciful in this. He could have, he could have given what was due, the, the, the just penalty, and thus you could also receive this, but... I'm going to show mercy in this. So consequences must be enforced based on the child's age and maturity, and they must be based on the nature of the offense, the nature of the offense. And so you, we make efforts to discern the difference between rebellion, not only outward behavior, but also expressions of inner attitude and, um, and really bad or sloppy habits. Uh, the strongest consequence should be reserved for rebellion. The sh- strongest consequence should be reserved for rebellion. And what, is that, what does that rebellion look like? Well, it can differ between, uh, uh, for each child. But how would you all define rebellion within, within the child at different ages? I think a direct no after you ask them or tell them to do something. Just a defiant no? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah? What else? If you come to the attitude, um, you know, I'll do what you told me to, but it's sulking as they walk away, it's not calm, you know, and you're just, uh, mm. you can show them the heart, over, or so that they know the parts that say, I'm not to say no, but yeah. I'm going to show you the attitude, and they're
the old saying of, you know, I, I may be sitting down on the outside, but in the inside, I'm standing up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That rebellious attitude. Yeah. They may follow through with the action, but not with a, a submissive heart. Yeah. being dishonest being true and being not being truthful and your yes is not being yes and your no is not no <laughs> yeah, in that situation yeah you're really a liar so help your child understand that yeah repetitive yeah Understanding that, you know, the understanding that uh, with a child, you know, we're back here again. You know, is this something we're addressing again? Man, I thought we just went through this. And you know, there, there is uh, understanding that we do have to be patient. And, I mean, how many times over has God had to say, Matt, come on, I'm doing this again? You know, yeah, we gotta, we got to get back here again and you know, ask for forgiveness. And, and, um, but it's not necessarily a consistent, habitual, every day, every night, every, every hour of I'm disrespecting mom and dad. It's, it's, uh, but there may be, like, this happens this week, and then next week we're back at it again. Um, where, where, did, where did the shift begin? Where did the slow veer start? You know, let's, let's look back and, and see where is this coming from. And, uh, but those are good opportunities to, to come back to the heart, heart of the child and say, what was your thinking in that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, certainly. <laughs> yeah. Also, Matt, I, I always say that rebellion trumps behavior any day of the week. Mm. So you never ever overlook rebellion because it'll it'll come back on you. Yeah. You know, ferociously, but in the yeah. discipline. And so you you always you always engage uh, with contact with a conversation with correction for a little one that could equally lead to action or for an older one and always engage correct them for conversation mm. so you learn something so the older they get the less controlling you want to be and the more coaching you need yeah. to do so there's a difference between age groups and I think the Schnars and the Abbots have gone through the teenage years where we if you try to control them too much in an older age they become bitter yeah. So um, you want to make sure you, if you've done your job zero to twelve or whatever, you you can engage better with them. The conversation before the correction. Yeah. Exactly. It's good. Yeah. We we don't hide. Uh, do not hide being or behind creative correction to avoid spanking your child. Uh, you should you should spank almost always for acts of rebellion. Um, obviously at a specific age, um, like if you're in the later years where like what Mark was saying, later teen years, you're not going to, you're not going to enforce this necessarily. Um, but in, you know, rebellion, talking back, you know, a defiant no, um, disrespect, lying, immoral behavior or other significant sinful behaviors, uh, these things must change and we must act upon um, immediately, it must be swift action. So, consequences other than spanking are effective uh, for correcting and instructing a child when the when the offense is more related to sloppy habits than rebellion. Uh, when a when a child doesn't complete an assigned task or does his work with a careless manner, or um, work may be um, uh, or really more work may be added as a result. So, many times spanking is the most merciful. But the total event is, is it's concluded. It's over. It's done. Um, taking away privileges is, is useful if it, if it is done for a clear purpose. 
and the time involved is, is appropriate to the offense. But long and drawn out forms of correction, however, can be counterproductive. They, they lose their impact over time. And I know this is an area I've struggled in, just thinking through, um, you know, as you're, as you're talking with your child, it can become long and drawn out. And, you know, you're going into the depths of their hearts and trying to figure out what was their motivation. And it's just simply they're just being rebellious and you need to swiftly come in and correct the action. Maybe that's just the spanking and let's move on. You know, you're, uh, a lot of times that can be even just a fear of man, fear of your child, not wanting your child to be um, angry with you or not wanting to draw, uh, push your child away by thinking that you're just always the bad guy. So you draw it out um, uh, because you're trying to help the child see, well, I'm not really a bad guy. And I'm saying that from my own heart, from my own perspective. And so uh, that's an area that I've had to work at in my own self or in my own heart. So. Many times um, that, is, that is the case. We have to be swift, um, not necessarily creative, just take care of the situation, um, correct it, instruct, give, give wise counsel, and, and move on, go forward. But also, it um, must be done in love and with self-control. And uh, this is so important for us to remember. It goes back to the whole situation of us talking about uh, oftentimes, you know, when when discipline, when using the rod is is done improperly or done poorly, it's because we have done it without self control. That correction is done in a moment of anger, in a moment of rage. It may not even be directed the anger towards your child. It could be at a spouse, and you're angry and upset because they told you. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't think you were doing this properly, and so now you're upset with the spouse, and you take it out on your child. And so all of these variables come into play, and instead of you taking care of it immediately or allowing things to go and, and, and things are belabored, that self-control is, is lessened and lessened and lessened to the point to where you respond out of anger. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. Ephesians 4.29 says that. So should um, this should be stated ahead of time as much as possible. This can, this can help prevent unjust surprises from a parent who, who may be merely reacting in anger. Um, it's you don't just go up behind the child who is unknowingly there who chose to do something and swap them on the behind without any warning whatsoever. And I mean, um, you know, you may have seen that or you may have done that on your own where you come and make swift action. But the child has no idea that they're about to be waylaid by uh, dad's hand. And so uh, make sure that you're taking the appropriate action <coughs> by going and carefully taking the child and setting them aside and explaining to them the situation or taking them and helping them understand that you're going to receive a consequence for this. You're going to receive um, a spanking for this, and then you follow through with it. So as you discipline your child, one, stress that you give uh, rewards or penalties because of the child's choices. You know, stress that 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 they are they are reaping the consequences of what they have sowed. Uh, stress that the 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 fact that it is God who is concerned with their behavior, not not just you. This is this is what God's expectation is. God actually says that if I do not correct you in this way, I don't love you. So God is telling me that I love you by correcting you in this form of punishment. In this form of correction, this is what God is concerned with. This is not just what Dad says is wrong or right. Reteach that behavior originates in the heart, out of the overflow of the heart. The mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. Everything within man's heart is desperately wicked. Yeah, it's just there. It is. It is abominable. So reteach that this behavior originates in the heart. It's not that, oh, well, Susie, Susie did this or, or, or Tommy did this. This is, this is something that God that, that has now erupted out of your heart, and that may be anger, that may be jealousy, that may be um, uh, selfishness. And this is not just, oh, well, I, didn't, I, 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 just, I made the poor choice because 
so-and-so did wrong to me or so-and-so mistreated me. No, I made that poor choice or I chose to sin. Make sure to use that terminology. I chose to sin because my heart was ungrateful. I chose to sin because I didn't get what I wanted and I am being selfish right now. Help your child think through that, talk through that. Counsel the child that um, that consequences are not just for the purpose of changing his behavior. Ultimately, they are to impress on him his inability, inability to meet God's standards. God has set forth a standard, and he is unable to meet that standard. And that, that his only hope is for forgiveness. And that power to change is, is through Christ. Again, going back to what we said, we're always pointing them in the direction of the gospel. So, uh, to conclude our time, one, we need to encourage a lot. We need to encourage our child a lot. That means <laughs> as much as you, are, as much as you are, are delivering consequences, make sure that you are rewarding through encouragement. The child must know that his parents and God approve as well as dislike certain behavior and hard attitudes. I mean, if you, if you look throughout Scripture, you're going to see God's love for his children on repeat. There is, um, there is joy that he finds in all series and manners of life, of worship. How does, how does he find joy in his children? He finds joy through faithfulness. He finds joy through their, our obedience. He finds joy when we speak his truth to one another. So help your child see that, that, that you love them, that you approve of certain things. Make sure that you're making that clear and you're articulating that. Also pray a lot. <laughs> you need God's help in this. It's not just the child that needs help. It's, it's you that needs help. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge Him. So every problem is not major. Every problem is not major. The child's failure does not mean the end of the world. So don't give up. You're in it for the long haul. In other words, when the child disobeys, when the child does something wrong, don't make this a big dramatic um, uh, um, escapade of, of just how woe is me and I can't believe that my child would do such a thing and this is the end of the world kind of situation. Help your child see the seriousness of their sin, but also help your child see that there is grace in the Lord and that his desire is actually for their heart to change, not for their sin to be put on display for the entire community to wallow in. Every problem is not major. Don't give up. In fact, a child's failures and his accompanying conviction of sin and guilt are opportunities for teaching and counseling. These events allow you to stress his hopeless condition, his need for salvation, and the strength that comes through Christ alone. So expect to visit problems again and again. That's what we said a little bit ago with talking with Ben. Sin and, ha- and bad habits with children, as with us, may reappear, and consequences don't eradicate our sin nature. Also, bad habits can occur again because parents let down their guard on that particular issue. Understand, we're not there 24-7, um, even though we feel like it at times. <laughs> um, there are times where children are going to make mistakes, that children choose to be sinful, even in the same ways that we have um, that we have gone over and over again. They're going to see those patterns crop up back in their life. So we start giving warnings. We give reminders instead of following through. Remember, be consistent, be faithful, even to the principles that we've talked about. Don't begin to slack off as much as it is easy to say, mom and dad just need a rest. I just need to sit here rather than getting up and going and addressing the issue at that moment. Be faithful to it. Set the standard and stick with it. Don't give those warnings. Don't give those reminders. Ultimately, trust the Lord. He's faithful. He is faithful. He even uses our mistakes for good. Don't worry. If if you don't think you handled something right this time, you may get another chance. (laughs) It's not you may. (laughs) You will get another chance. You will get another chance to to come against that. 
All right, well, um, this, this concludes really our portion of, of the discipline process. Sorry, um, Mark, I didn't get to use you and Clay as the, um, as the discipline example, you know. I Yes, yeah, go ahead. They expect their good parenting to produce a particular outcome. Yeah. And that is dangerous and frustrating and very discouraging Amen. to parents. Yeah. You just need to be very consistent, faithful parents. Yeah. And trust God with the outcome. Amen. And you'll have less frustration. The thing about prayer is I had to train myself instead of getting angry with frustrated, you know, frustrated with six boys and half of them are not saved, they don't care. Um, it, it drove me to pray more. Hmm. So pray when you're frustrated. Don't complain. Yeah. When you're frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, thankfully the Lord is the one who is who is in control of those things. That doesn't eliminate our necessity to be faithful in what He's called us to do. We are to work and strive and and do it hard, uh, the hard work as unto the Lord. But we understand that He is the ultimate one that is in control of that, and so we don't worry, we don't fret, we don't. It's not a not a cake that we're trying to bake. You know, it's not. We'll put all these ingredients together. We'll put this person, this person, and 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 put all these things together, and then boom, there we go. God promised that this would happen. No, we trust the Lord's promises. We trust in what He's given us as far as instructions, but we trust that He is the one who makes the change in the heart. As much as I try, I can't change my child's heart. As much as I speak truth into them, it's not me pouring a little more and more and more and more until whew, it's done. The Spirit is the one that does that. It's good. It's a good reminder. The Lord is faithful. He's true. All right, let's close in prayer, and then you may go pick up your children. <laughs> Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your truth, for the uh, sanctifying work that it does in our hearts, uh, for enabling us to understand what is right and good, what you've called us to be as parents. Lord, help us to be faithful in those in those practices, help us to be faithful in these, in uh, implementing these principles. And and Lord, when we desire to uh, pull back or or to be less um, uh, uh, hardworking when it comes to instruction or correction or or putting the effort in, help us, Lord, to uh, to be convicted and to correct those paths. Help us to speak truth to one another and and even hold one another up in Christ and say, Hey, listen, I've I've noticed some things um, uh, lacking in, in, in your family or, or in your own parenting, and, and I'm concerned as a brother or sister, and help us to be faithful to do that, Lord, and, and to be open to that correction, to be open to that wisdom and instruction, uh, because it, it is a matter of caring for the souls of those around us and loving our brothers and sisters faithfully. Um, may, we, may we be careful. May we do that with love and kindness and gentleness. But may we ultimately honor you, Father, in all those things. Thank you for this truth. Thank you for the fellowship of the body here and for the wisdom that we've, we have in one another and ultimately through your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.